Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Thank you very much for allowing me to be here. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Romans in chapter number 3. I've enjoyed being here. Uh, it's been quite a blessing, and I'm so grateful for your hospitality, your kindness. Before you leave, uh, if you'd stop by that table, grab one of our prayer cards. We'd certainly appreciate you praying for us. Uh, there's several different things that you can pick up there. Uh, there's some sheets out there that are coloring sheets. I probably put it, should have put on top coloring sheets, because uh, I don't think anything about it says. Um, but for young people that want to grab that and color that, uh, we'd appreciate your prayers very much. And uh, thank you once again for allowing us to be here. Romans chapter 3 in your Bible. We'll begin our study. We're going to go through multiple, uh, let's do this. We're going to go through multiple uh, passages of Scripture this evening. And we're going to make our way rather quickly through them. Uh, so let's, I guess let's go ahead and get ready. Everybody raise your right hand. Don't get fear. Some of you are looking like, which one is the right? I don't know. You know, just don't raise your foot, you know. All right, raise your right hand. Okay, this is what I need you to do. All right, now raise your index finger towards the sky. Everybody raise your index finger. There you go. All right, now get your index finger and put it down like that. All right, got it? Now point it straight forward. Straight forward. Now back up like that. Now back pointed towards the sky. All right, now what we're doing is this is called finger exercise. We're getting ready to turn to many passages of scriptures, all right? Good. Now you're ready. Now we can go to multiple passages, all right? Well, this evening, uh, we've been talking about missions. This is a missions emphasis month. And I want to talk to you. I want to give you some motives for missions. Why do we do what we do when it comes to the area of missions? Why are we asked that you and I should give to grace giving to help missionaries get over there? Why are we asking you that maybe you should give your life to be a missionary? Why are we asking that you would give your children to become missionaries or your grandchildren to become missionaries? Why are we asking you to pay attention towards what the Bible says about missions? Why do we even care about missions? Why separate a whole month to speak about missions? Why do we do what we do when it comes to the area of missions? So very quickly, we're going to run through the Word of God and allow me to give you a couple reasons, a couple motives of why we do what we do when it comes to this area of missions. Romans chapter 3, we'll begin our reading in verse number 10, and we'll go down to verse number 12. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous. What does the Bible say? Last three words, what does it say? No, not one. Verse number 11, there is none that seeketh after, excuse me, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. Last three words would say, no, not one. So why do we do what we do when it comes to the area of missions? Why do we give? Why do we pray? Why do we ask God if he wants to use our lives? Why do we consider partnering with them and getting involved? Why do we do that? Number one, because the world, it has not changed. The Bible says there is none that doeth good, no, not one. 
You see, we run through the Word of God, you know this very well, but according to Ephesians chapter number 2, the Bible says that we are born in this world in our trespasses and sins. Because of our sin, we deserve a place called hell, right? And we know that without Jesus Christ, that our eternity is set, we're on our way to hell. There's a real hell, there's a live hell, and although many times we may skip preaching about it, there really is a place called hell, and God doesn't want anybody to go there. The reason that we preach, the reason that we ask you to pray, the reason that we give, the reason that we send missionaries is because we really realize that there's a world that has not changed. The world many years ago, they did not know God and they walked in the way. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13 said there's a very wide and a broad way and many there are that go therein. There's a very narrow way, and there are few that go, and in that narrow way that goes to life everlasting, the big broad way where the majority are, that goes to destruction. The Bible teaches us over and over that we know all these verses, but as John 3.16, we know what it says. John 3.18 says that when they do not know, they're, they're condemned already, written upon their foreheads, they're on their way to hell. One man said it this way, do you know what is 750,000 miles long? Imagine this, what is 750,000 miles long? It wraps around our globe 30 times in each day it goes by 20 miles it grows. Do you know what that represents? The lost people of this world. You see, why do we do what we do? Because number one, the world, it has not changed. It still needs Jesus. It's still on its way, place called hell. It's still trying its own way. You see, the world doesn't need any more religion. They have enough religion. Religion won't save you. A relationship with Jesus Christ will. And our world is on a place, uh, on a way to a place called hell. Go with me, if you would, to the book. We're going to come back to Romans in a moment, but let's take a moment and go to the book of Luke in chapter number 19, would you? Luke in chapter number 19. The Bible teaches us why do we do what we do. Our first motive of why we do what we do, as we're on our way to Luke chapter number 19. Why do we do what we do? Because the world has not changed. But let me show you something else. Book of Luke in chapter number 19. Now, each one of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they present our Jesus in a different way. In other words, at the book of Matthew, they present him as the king of the Jews, right? The book of Mark, he is the servant of men. The book of Luke, as it presents our Jesus, he's the son of man. The book of John, he's the son of God. So he's all 100% God, yet he's 100% man. So throughout the book of Luke, it says son of man, son of man, son of man. Speaking about Jesus Christ, capital S, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Luke chapter 19. In verse number 10, for the Son of Man, that's capital S, that's Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Son of Man, he's coming to this world to seek and to, what does the Bible say? To what? Save. That which was, what does it say? Lost. So why do we do what we do, dear friends? Number one, why we do what we do is because the world has not changed. It's on, a, on its way to a place called hell. But number two, God has not changed. He still loves old sinners. He's still willing to save absolutely anybody. We all know from maybe a child, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? How much did he love them? This much, says one man, as he hung upon the cross. How much did he love them that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, absolutely anybody, believeth in him, they should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. You see, the Bible teaches us that God, he hasn't changed. Although the world hasn't changed, our God hasn't changed either. He still wants to see people saved. The Bible goes through, and we can go through Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8, where the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi chapter 3, the Bible teaches us, I am the Lord, I change not. You know what? He's always loved old sinners. 
From the very beginning of creation, when Adam and Eve, they went their own way because of the temptation of the devil. They chose their own path. And therefore, our God had to send his son and he gave the redemption plan. And from that time, there's been religion that has stood in the middle and many people's good works and all these different things trying to get us back to God. But Lord God says, there's only one way. You know that. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's one name given, amongst, given under heaven, uh, given amongst men, whereby we must be saved. That's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? There is only one name. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And our Lord says, although the world hasn't changed, God says, I haven't changed either. I still love old sinners. Praise the Lord, he saved me. Did he save you? You know what? God hasn't changed. He still wants people saved. In fact, a couple chapters prior to this, the book of Luke in chapter number 15, the Bible talks all about three different parables. The very first one, he talks about the lost sheep. You remember that? He goes on and he says he's got a, a hundred and he loses one and he goes around looking for it. He leaves the 99 and he walks around and he finds that one. He throws it on his shoulder. He walks back and boy, he throws a party. He says, "Woo! I found that one. And there's great rejoicing. And then all of a sudden it flips across and it says, and so there is great rejoicing in heaven when one lost sinner comes to repentance. And then it flips the parable and it says, there's a lady who lost a coin in her house. And buddy, she flipped that house upside down, kicked the cat off the couch, you know, and threw the cushions off and told the kids, move out and let's do the spring cleaning and everything else. And looked everywhere. Finally, she found that one coin. You remember what the Bible said? It said there was great rejoicing. She called everybody and said, let's have a party, guys. The barbecue's on me. Man, let's enjoy this thing. Why? Because I found what was lost. And then once again, the Bible flips and it says, and there's great rejoicing in heaven amongst the angels when one lost sinner comes to repentance. The very last one, it talks about what we know as the prodigal son, that young boy that was, went away. You know, his, his, his brother stayed home. He went his own way and his dad waited for him. Finally, he, he, he sleeps there with the pigs and eats the slop and he comes back and the father's waiting for him. You know the story. And the Lord says, what a beautiful, and gives us another parable. Listen, because our God has not changed, he still wants to receive people. But go back very quickly to the book of Romans chapter number one. So why do we do what we do? What are our motives to give the missions? What are our motives to pray for missionaries? What are our motives that you and I should give our lives to missions? What is our motive that we should get over there and do something about it or tell people here in our area? What is our motive to spend this entire month talking about the need 2035? Why do we do what we do? Because the world doesn't change. It's still on its way to a place called hell. But God hasn't changed. He still loves old sinners. He still wants to save them. He still wants to pull them out of the fire. We know that very well. But let me show you something else. Romans chapter 1. And look, if you would, this verse. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. For I am not ashamed. The Apostle Paul says under the inspiration of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Look what it says. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, through the Jew first... And also to the Greek, to the Jew and to everybody else is not a Jew. He says, you know what? Why do we do what we do? Because number one, the world hasn't changed on the way to a place called hell. Number two, God hasn't changed, still loves old sin. And number three, the gospel hasn't changed. It's still powerful, still can do the job. God can still save somebody. God can still transform a life. When we were in Argentina, not long after we were there, God began to send people to our church and uh, out of our first church many people started getting saved and neighbors then they bring somebody else they get saved it was an exciting time I remember our first baptismal service we had 
I think six people in a couple of months and they, they all got baptized. Man, I was so excited. And I told them, why don't you give them testimony? They said, what's that? And I said, you have to do nothing more than get up there and tell them what you were and now what you are, what God has made you and why you got baptized. Make sure you understand that this is not part of salvation. We walked them all through that. Man, I was excited. Well, there's this uh, brother and sister that uh, they, got, they got baptized. I mean, they were saved, got baptized. And man, they're growing in the Lord, going through discipleship. And I gave, Mauricio was his name. I gave Mauricio some discipleship lessons. He said, um, what's the next one? He had finished it. And I said, well, I, I don't have a copy of it. I've got my book right here. And I had, I think, 26 lessons at the time I was using. And he said, all right, well, can I have that? And I said, well, run down the store, run down the end of the block and you can get a photocopy. In Latin America, it's, you know, there are photocopies all over it. So he said, okay. So he went, he left, he came back and he gave me the book. He said, okay, thanks. About two weeks passed and he came and he gave me a stack of papers about that big and he put them on my desk. He said, here you go. I said, what's that? And he said, well, I finished all the lessons. And I said, all the lessons? He said, yeah, you gave me the book, the copy. I said, I I gave you lesson number two to copy. (laughs) What are you doing? And not like, then I was thinking, Lord, I have to have another, you know, disciple. I thought this was going to take me a year. This guy did it in two weeks, you know. I'm thinking, what the way? He started growing by leaps and bounds. Man, he was just growing and growing. He worked as a professional dentist in the jail system there in our city. And so he would go and he would work, you know, he'd have a 24-hour shift and he would get off for, you know, 24 hours. Then he would have a 36-hour shift and he'd come back a day and have a 48-hour and then come back two days. And it was off and on. And every time he would come back, man, he was just on fire for God. He could come back and he said, Pastor. I'd say, yeah, Mauricio. He said, 19 men got saved. I said, well, praise God. He'd come in another Wednesday. He said, Pastor. And I said, yeah. And he said, Three other guys got saved. I said, praise the Lord. He'd come in another week. And he was always telling me, all these men got saved. He worked in the, the jail system and in a men's jail, all men's jail. Maximum capacity. I mean, just, you know, it was this big old jail. And so he'd come one day, and I'll be honest with you, I know I should just believe right away. And man, that's great. But I, after a while, after many, many times of him telling me all these men get saved, I became a little skeptical. Oh, are they really getting saved? I mean, this many? I mean, come on, this one guy? I mean, this is just a little too good to be true. And so one day he walks in, he said, Pastor, would you like to go to jail with me? I said, well, I mean, if you can get all the permission, I'd love to go. And so sure enough, I gave him my denim, my documents, and I gave him all my, you know, my passport, everything else. And he walked in there and he went to his work. He gave it to all the authorities. He came back and he said, Pastor, here's this card. Now you can go in as my pastor. You can go in with me and preach a religious service to these men in jail by, you know, a, a, a document by the government saying you can go in and preach. I thought, sounds good to me. So we drove about 45 minutes outside of town. We got to this big old giant complex. I mean, they had, it had to be 12, 15, 16 foot, you know, big old fences, razor wire on the top. And I remember we pulled out there, just giant, I mean, nothing out there. 45 minutes outside of the city, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this big old giant complex, I mean, big old fences, razor wire everywhere. And they have all these security shacks up there and all these guides are on these towers and, you know, big old machine guns. And I'm thinking, I don't know what these guys did, but this looks like a dangerous spot. We walked in there and he said, follow me. And I was like, okay. And so we walked in there and every man, I mean, they had guys all around there. And all the guards, they had machine guns. And listen to this, they kept their fingers on the machine gun. I thought, who gave Barney a fife a gun, you know? He's going to sneeze and kill 20, you know, like, this is, these guys don't even know what they're doing. So I remember we walked the first gate and Mauricio said, hey, they opened the door and then they looked at me and said, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm 
I'm with him. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't have a gun, you know. So sure enough, he said, all right, come on in. I showed him my document. We go to another one. They close the door. We go to another gate. I mean, over and over. I mean, there were so many gates just to get the middle part. I went through, I don't know, four or five gates just to get through there. And finally, we get to this big old cement building. I mean, it's just maybe three times bigger than this. And big old cement building. And the guy, the last guy there, the guard, he's got a big old machine gun. He said, all right, go on in. He opened this big old giant door. It was a metal door, door filled with cement. Had a little bitty plexiglass window, about that big. He pushed me in there. And as he pushed me in, he closed the door. And closed the door and a little plexiglass. And I thought... If you got a machine gun, you're on that side. Why in the world am I in here, you know? This is a bad idea. You know, I should have thought through this, you know. Maybe Mauricio's mad. He's going to get me killed, you know. What am I doing here? So I remember I stood up there and all these guys, I mean, there was a couple back doors and from all the pavilions all around this complex, they all started coming in. I mean, just filled up that building. I remember all the men stood there and Mauricio come up and he said, you men, listen, this is my pastor. I go to his church and he's going to talk to you. And he went down. As he said that, they all listened to him. They all knew him. And he sat down and all of a sudden I got up there and I was never afraid. I mean, they look like hungry wolves, man. And they're all staring at me. And I'm like, um, do you know you're a sinner? They looked at me like, I killed two people last week. You're going to be the third. I'm like, ah, you know, bad idea. I'm like, um, do you know? You're like, Jesus loves you. They're like, my mama doesn't even love me. I'm like, man, what? I, I can't win. You know, I remember I, man, I was scared to death and I got up there. So I started preaching. I come to the very end and I remember coming to the very end and I said, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And right now, if you want to accept Jesus, he wants to save you. Why don't you raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Man, all these men, they raised their hand. I thought they didn't understand what I said. So I said, all right, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me, man, I went through it like three times. I'm like, these guys don't get it. And you know what? I mean, I saw so many people get saved. I thought, this is just great. Well, we finished there. And man, I was so excited. I'm walking around. A guy comes up and he said, hey, you must be Pastor Jeffrey. I said, yeah. I, I do, do we know each other? He's like, yeah. Mauricio I thought, Lord, you know I was on the wrong path when I was a teenager. But God, I got saved. I've never been in jail in Argentina, you know. And I'm like, uh, how do we know each other? He said, hey, Mauricio, he led me to Lord. And I thought, well, praise God. Another guy told me, Mauricio led me to Lord. And I said, praise God. So I thought, you know what, I got to get my skepticism out of me. And so I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, tell me exactly, how did Mauricio leave me alone? Tell me how you got saved. I thought, I, I wanted to really find out. I mean, I was excited, but I really wanted to find out, is this true? He said, well, Mauricio, he, he works here in jail. I, I know who he is. He said, well, he's a dentist here in the jail. I said, I know that. He said, well, what happens in the middle of the night? Mauricio's asleep, you know, I mean, he's got shifts and he'll stay there until somebody needs us. And he's in this room and one of us will say, hey, guard, guard. Guard will come up and say, what do you want? Middle of the night. He said, man, my tooth hurts. So the guard says, well, wait right here. The guard will go up and he'll wake Mauricio up and say, get up here. He'll take him in. Mauricio will go in that back room and guard will get us out and he'll push us that way. And we go to a big room and he said, we'll go to this room with the, with, the, with the chair in the middle. And as we make our way there, the guard says, sit down right there. And Mauricio comes in this other and he turns on this big old light. He puts us in this chair and leans us all the way back, lights in our face. And he, op he says, open your mouth. And as he says, open your mouth, he gets these real sharp instruments like knives. And he starts poking around. Where does it hurt? And then he looks at us and he says, if you died today, do you know where you're going to go? 
He said, buddy, we're all scared when you got a knife in your mouth. We all end up getting saved. <laughs> like, amen, creative evangelism, right? You know, whatever. And then he just laughed. He said, no, we really do believe. And I said, well, praise God. Listen to this. You know what? I've seen people get out of jail and get into Bible college and start serving Jesus. I've seen people from, from drugs, addicted to drugs, now addicted to Jesus. People that were once drunks and now singing praises to our Savior. People that were once in wickedness and maybe in witchcraft that are now worshiping our Savior. I've seen people that were thieves that are now ushers in our church. Probably not the best idea I had that on that one, you know. But you know, I've seen people that were totally changed. How were they changed? It wasn't because of me and it wasn't even because of Maurice. You know what it was? It's because the gospel of Jesus Christ still works. And do you know, dear friend, you might not be the most intelligent and have all the Bible verses memorized, and I don't have very, very little, but you know what? We can go out there, and all we have to do is we swing that sword, and the gospel of Jesus Christ does the work. One man said, if people aren't getting saved, it's because either the gospel no longer works, or we're no longer giving it out. Can I tell you, the gospel still works, doesn't it? And that means if people aren't getting saved, maybe you and I need to do something about it. Why do we do what we do? Why are we praying for more missionaries to go out? I beg of you, dear friend, give your life, give your children, give your all. Go to the mission field, tell people about Jesus. I, tell, I beg you, around your area, why are we asking, one, the world's not changed, it's on the way, way to a place called hell. God has not changed, he still loves old sinners. This gospel has not changed. It can still save old sinners and lives and transform people. Let me give you one other, the book of Mark, chapter 16, you know this. Mark in chapter number 16. Mark in chapter number 16, Brother Tyler read us this, this portion of Scripture this morning. I want you to look at it. Mark in chapter number 16. This is the second gospel recording, the second book in the New Testament. As we make our way to Mark in chapter number 16, look at what it says here. Our Lord Jesus Christ repeating what he said in Matthew 28. And one of the five times he gives what we know is the Great Commission. Look what it says here. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. And he, that's our Lord said unto them, that's the disciples, the believers, those who followed our Savior. He said unto them, go you into all the world, look what it says, and preach the gospel to every creature. Go, an imperative verb, get going, move. And he says, and preach. He didn't say, think about it, pray about it, let's see what happened. He said, time to get up and move. Why do we do what we do? Well, the world has not changed, it's going to a place called hell. And God has not changed. He still loves old sinners, still wants to see them saved. And the gospel hasn't changed. If you just pull it out and you say, I want to tell you about something, you share your own testimony. The gospel does the job. It's work. I mean, it's just a power of God and the salvation. But let me give you the fourth and the final. God's command has not changed. He said, I want you to go into all the world. Well, Lord, what if I don't want to? He said, I don't think I asked if you want to. But God, what if I'm not comfortable with it? I'm pretty sure I didn't say if you're comfortable. But God, what if I have a lot of things to do? I didn't ask if you're busy. But God, you don't know my life and all the activities and all the things. He said, maybe you don't understand. This is my command. And the last command of our Lord should be our first concern. As he made his way to heaven and as he left here in Acts chapter number nine, uh, 1 and verse number 9 and 10 and 11, as he ascended up into heaven, he said, you boys know what I said. Get out there and do it. And then all of a sudden the angels, in fact, it's very interesting because as he said in Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 for the last time, the Great Commission, and then he ascends up to heaven and the Bible says they stand there a-gazing, looking up in heaven. I don't know what a-gazing means, but I imagine it means with your mouth open. I don't know. And so here comes these two men in white apparel, probably angels, and they 
said, what are y'all standing here for? What y'all looking up in heaven for? Good night. You, he's already told you what to do. Get at it. And you see the great commission our Lord has given us. It's a command that must be obeyed. It's not an option for us to consider. God told us what to do. We're to get out there. You see the world around us, it needs Jesus. We know that the Lord's coming back. How many of you know that the Lord's coming back? Would you say amen? amen. I certainly do. And really, to be quite honest, dear friend, it doesn't matter if people say, well, I don't believe he's coming back. It really doesn't matter what you say. Romans chapter 3, verse number 3 and 4 says, let God be true and every man a liar. The Lord's coming back whether we believe it or not, right? I mean, he's good and faithful in his word whether we believe it or not. But listen, dear friend, our Lord's coming back soon. We must get busy about our Father's business. We have a job to do. We must do something. There are people around in this neighborhood. Oh, yes, there's a great need over in Africa. But listen, dear friend, you have neighbors that don't know Jesus. You have co-workers that don't need. Yeah, but if Brother Tyler or Brother Rich, if they would talk to him, they know some Bible, that would be okay. No, God gave you the job and you the influence so that you can share the gospel with those people. You have family members that don't know. It's your responsibility. God's not, listen, it's not just our responsibility. It's our privilege to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's command, it has not changed. While you and I speak of the second coming of Jesus Christ, much of the world has never heard of the first coming of Jesus Christ. We know very well he's coming. Most of the world never knew that he came. It's our job. It's our responsibility. Take the gospel. One man said it this way, either go yourself or send a substitute. But we still must be plugged in getting the gospel around the world. What part are you going to play? What are you going to do? remember when I was growing up, my dad would, I was a gopher, meaning whatever my dad needed, that's what I was born for. And uh, it was in the days that dad didn't have to be so nice. Sometimes they say, well, I'd get mad if my dad, my dad didn't really care what I got mad at. He'd say, boy, I want you to go over and get that. And I remember many times I would go up and he'd tell me a name of a tool that I did not even know of. And there were no smart devices to look it up and say, hey, Siri, what does that mean? You know, like, like, I didn't know what it was. You know, get a right hand. Like, I'm not. And so I'd walk in that garage. And, man, I remember I looked around. And I'd walk back. And, Dad, I don't know where it's at. It's not there. And he said, what do you mean it's not there? I know where it's at. Get up there and don't come back until you find it. I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, I'd go in. i get a wheelbarrow and shove every kind of tool possible. Say, Dad, take your pick. I'll take these back. You know, I was scared to death. I didn't know what. And I remember many times my dad would say, son, I want you to go out there and I want you to pick up the rocks in the yard or something. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Pick up the rocks? I mean, just mow them out of the yard. I don't care what you do. You know, like, I don't want to do it. And I remember many times looking at my dad and I said, dad, but why? Why do I have to do that? I mean, no other kid has to do this. I mean, you make me work. And that why? And I remember asking why so many times. My dad would look at me. One of those looks like, are you seriously going to make me answer that? Like that was a, that's just not smart. And I know, Oh, please have mercy. I don't know what's about to come next, but one of us are going to come out of a room crying and it's not going to be dad, you know? And, I'm like, um, and my dad would look at me and say, boy, because I told you. I thought, what a ripoff. You can't say that. I mean, come on, give me some reason. You can't just say, because I told you and they expect me to go out there and do it. And I thought, man, that's a rip. Now, you know, I thought, I will never say that in my life. I mean, how ridiculous. You need to give three, you know, at least three good reasons. Smile on your face, a cup of sweet tea while you're at it. Praise the Lord. You know, I mean, how could you narrowly say, because I said so? That's not a good reason. Now I got five kids and I say, go do that. And say, why? And I said, oh, because I said so. 
like fist pump, dad, you'd be proud of me. <laughs> I love it, man. This is great. The best thing ever. Now listen to this. Our Lord Jesus Christ has told us to get the gospel all around the world. And you know, it'd be just sufficient if he looked and said, you know why? Because I said so. That would be enough. But listen, he gave us some motives, some reasons to do what we're supposed to do. There's a world out there that does not know Jesus. They're on their way to a place called hell. Oh, dear friend, tell them. There's a God who still wants to save old sinners. And there's a gospel that's still powerful that can do the job. And there's a command upon us as a child of God that we must go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you know why you were saved, dear friends? You have been given the light so that you can be the light to the world. Why have you been blessed so that you can be a blessing to other people? Why have you been comforted so that you can turn around and comfort others, dear friend? Why have you been given so that you can turn around and be a blessing? Dear friend, listen, everything we have is because God has been good to us. So I just tell you this evening, you know, we have some reasons. Don't just say, well, I guess there was nothing else to do in the month of September and they just threw on there a missions month and well, let's just get through this baby, you know? No, God's given us some reasons. There's a world that needs Jesus. There's a God who still loves them. There's a gospel that's still powerful. And dear friend, there's a command that is still present. May we give our lives. Would you consider giving your life? Would you consider giving your children? Would you consider saying, God, what do you want from me? My time or my talent or my tithes. God, what do you want from me? Use my life. And God said, all right, here's some motives to do what you're supposed to be doing. Can we pray? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we love you and thank you. Oh, Lord, use our lives. God, we are absolutely nothing without you. God, we are incapable, God, without you. Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon us. Lord, may we be wise Christians, God, to say, Father, however you speak to me, God, I'll respond. In our hearts and wherever it may be and however it may be, God, may we respond. And may we follow with whatever you want, dear Savior. As the pianist begins to play and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, in just a moment we're going to sing. In just a moment we'll conclude this time. But oh, dear friends, do you realize that there are millions, yet billions of people that don't know Jesus? We weren't saved just to sit on what God gave us. God saved us for a reason. We must go or we must send a substitute. We have a job to do here, although some may go globally. And I pray that God sends many people from this church to go all around the world. But dear friends, right here in our neighborhood, we have a responsibility. You know, God's command is for you with your neighbors. God's command is with you tomorrow at work. God's command with you tomorrow at school. Let's see what we can do. God's given us some reason. He could say that's enough. Just do it. But he's given us some motives. Oh, Father, use us. God, may we love you, God. May we say whatever you want, God. My life belongs to you. Father, I thank you. God, use us. God, have all of your glory in our lives and around this world. And before you come back, God, choose to use many people right here at Open Bible Baptist Church to take the gospel, to spread the gospel, to take it all around the world and help others go around the world. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. 
For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.